Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. My guest today is Brian Wilson. Brian is a composing, performing, and touring cellist and music educator based out of New Jersey. And while yes, Brian is a cellist, he doesn't focus entirely on the classical world like so many string players do. Instead, Brian focuses on improvisation, comedic music, and has even toured Vietnam to play at U.S. embassies and has teamed up with his wife to accompany her during dance therapy workshops all over Vietnam. Brian is also the author of two books, Cello Chords and String Jams, both of which help cellists and string players learn to play their instrument in an improvisational way. In this episode, we talk a lot about what it means to be a performer, the struggle of building up steady gigs and income as a musician, what it was like to tour Vietnam as a Western musician, and so much more. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Brian Wilson. All right, cool. So one of the first questions I have for you is like about your focus on cello improv. It's still so rare, like still not many people focus on improvising on cello, playing more modern styles. It's still such a classical world, at least from my point of view, at least from like looking from the outside in. So I'm very curious, like what even got you into that, especially considering, you know, most school programs aren't teaching it. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, I... I like classical music, but I don't like the environment which it existed in. And probably it still exists in this. It's just like this stuffy, uptight, kind of asshole environment. You know, <laughs> can I say that? Sorry. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so yeah, totally. judgmental and whatnot. Look, I'm not the greatest cellist that's ever lived. I never will be. But I was good enough. And I knew I was never going to be like a soloist, like a, a classical. I was not going to be playing for the symphony i didn't really even like playing with orchestras that much but i love to play because playing like always gave me an outlet for my emotions because i don't like to talk about my emotions i'm emotionally <laughs> blocked people ask my wife so yeah i love to play but i don't know I'm, i guess i'm very individualistic i don't like to be part of the crowd so i always was trying to find my own way to it there's a lot more people now doing it. Uh, when I was growing up, there were some, and there, I, I used to go to like the New Directions Cello Festival. My dad kind of turned me on to that, and he's like, oh, check out all these people, you know, doing different stuff, which is really cool, and it kind of opened my eyes to the things that you could do. But yeah, I just, it was always my passion to just have my own voice, like create something that's that is my own. Because at the end of the day, there's... 30,000 people that can play the Dvorak cello concerto better than I'm going to be able to play it. It's just true. But there's only me who's going to be able to sing about being bald and like, you know, hairy <laughs> while playing the cello, right? I mean, there's probably other people too, but only one person dumb enough to do that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So like 
when you're doing that, when you were kind of learning it, diving into it, did people ever scoff or did you ever get any resistance saying like, ah, like leave that alone, like focus on classical or anything like that? Or was it a pretty, you know, people encouraged you? It was pretty easy path. No one really discouraged me. I mean, I kind of had my own drive to it. And, I, and again, I'm not like a jazz guy. I'm not a rock guy. I'm a nothing guy. I literally am just, I kind of do my own thing. No one really ever discouraged me. I, I I didn't feel like that. I just felt like I, I used to go to like Manus School of Music for like the Saturday program when I was in high school. And I just remember just feeling like super constricted. That was probably just the way I was feeling in, in high school. But like, I remember one time in like string quartet class, I just started yelling at the teacher or some shit. I was just like, I, I was like I'm an asshole, right? I, I don't want to do this shit. It's like, I don't want to do this. All right. And I don't want to play like this. She's like, oh, my God. She's wearing like a cashmere sweater. It's like she's never seen anyone <laughs> talk like that. It's like, you know, I don't know. Just did my own thing. But no, no one yeah. was ever very against what I was doing. Nice. Yeah. So in that case, though, considering it is different, it is unique. Uh, you know, you have you, you even said it. You're like a nothing guy, quote unquote. That's yeah. so interesting. So I'm curious, how do you in this world as a performer, as a teacher, as a author, like, how do you introduce yourself? Do you just say, ah, I'm a cellist and just leave it at that? Or is there more kind of elaboration on it so people know, oh, you're not just like everybody else in this world, especially when it comes to getting gigs? <laughs> when you when you look at me, you see that this guy's different. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's off a little bit. He's got some sadness behind his eyes. <laughs> no one thinks I'm as young as I actually am. They always think I'm way older. No, I, I tell people, you know, I tell them that I improvise, that I write my own stuff. I work with logic. You know, I do stuff in the studio. I record for people. I can work off lead sheets, all that stuff. You know, I write comedy songs. You know, that's kind of what I've been doing now. You just kind of have to lead with like, you're more versatile than than the average cellist. And that and that's mm -hmm. really what's important. Like right now I'm in, a, I'm actually getting my master's degree at, Nice. And this will be interesting for you because this is a new program, extremely new. It's at uh, New Jersey City University, and it's called Multi-Style Strings. So it's kind of like this, where you get to explore string playing in different avenues. Nice. Not necessarily just classical. You can do some classical if you want, but it's more than just that. But I get to work with this guy, Dave Egger, who's probably maybe the top of the top of what you could ever expect to be he's insane he's like uh, the skills on him are crazy but but what he's tried to instill in me is the ability to be versatile be able to listen to what someone is saying and then it's not really about you it's about creating something that will work for them, for their song, you know, for their project. You know, sometimes you don't have to be the focus and you don't, it doesn't have to be as cool as you think it's supposed to be in your head because no one knows the cello and no one gives a shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I'm playing in D major. This is so easy. Like everyone's going to know it's so easy. No, they don't. No one has any idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And sometimes they just want long notes and that's okay. Like they just know how to interpret what they want. And then, you know, so that that's been very beneficial to me. Nice. So related to that, actually, what's a good cellist or even musician in your mind supposed to do and be? Because you kind of mentioned it just now in your answer. But I'm curious, when you are working with other people, which is pretty much always as a musician, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to be? What's a good musician do? 
Well, it depends on the situation, but the most important I would say is you have to, it can't be all about you. You know what I'm saying? Unless it's your project and you're the soloist. But for the most part, if you're working with other people, you really have to listen and try to just gauge what they actually mean by what they say, or just listen to their material and, and try to create something that is accompaniment when it needs to be accompaniment that needs to be soloistic when it's soloistic. And, you know, just like you need to actually try to, you're not the focus, you're, mm-hmm. your support. Unless of course, like you said, it's your, your project. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious then if we can talk about your Vietnam travels. Cause like last time we talked, you had just like gotten there basically. So yeah. and you did so much stuff there. You did all sorts of different projects. You did all sorts of different sorts of work there as a cellist, as a musician. So can you talk about that whole process and how your mindset changed as a musician in any way while you were there doing all these various gigs, like doing dance therapy and playing at U.S. embassies, stuff like that? Yeah, that was cool. I mean, that was all, well, some of it was connected to my wife. Ming, and she's like the pioneer of dance movement therapy in Vietnam. But you know what I found in Vietnam was that there's like more respect for music and there's more respect for the arts. Maybe it's me coming as a like a white guy foreigner. Maybe that has something to do with it, too. And also my wife is Vietnamese. But overall, I did feel that there's more of a deep sense of respect and appreciation of the craft as you know, in America, it just feels like sometimes you're just banging your head against the wall. And maybe I'm just got a skewed view. But when I was there, people were very, very into what we were doing. I played with this guy, Jet T. Chang, who's kind of, he looks like a Kung Fu master. He's like this old guy with a long white beard. And he plays the Dan Chang, which is like a zither, a 16 string zither. He didn't really speak English. So we just kind of just jammed and improvised like he would play kind of some traditional Vietnamese song and I would just improvise around that and people loved it. And it was really fun for me. It was such a cool experience. (laughs) One, One funny thing was my wife, you know, she's a dance movement therapist. So she was leading a, a workshop in the jungle. And I don't know about you, but there's no jungle Jews, okay? There's desert Jews. There's Jews that live in the city. There's Jews that live in the mountains. There's never been a jungle Jew. So I'm just not cut out for that environment. So she, first of all, I had a rented cello, and we had to cross oh. this, this river on like this rickety boat. And I don't want to lose the deposit on the cello because I'm Jew. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm carrying it on my back and I, I'm, I'm like nervous. I'm angry. You know, I'm upset. And then we're walking through the jungle, whatever. And we get to this like river and she wants everybody to just start dancing in the river. And everybody's having a, just a great time. They're splashing in the water. It's great. <laughs> it's lovely. And I'm mean mugging everyone. I'm just I'm the only one with rain boots on. I've got these huge <laughs> rain boots. I got the cello on a strap. I'm just seething anger. And my wife's just like, just play it. Just play angry. Meanwhile, Tay Chang, the guy, the old guy playing the, he's like on a rock surrounded by three young girls, like, uh, you know, like playing his, his Dan Chang in the water. And I'm just like seething Jewish New York Jew angry. (laughs) But it was fun. I made it through it. One, one really 
cool experience for me was we were supposed to actually do more of this, but because of COVID, we weren't able to go back this year, but hopefully next year. We played at the U.S. Embassy for Vietnamese soldiers from the Vietnam War that were that had like cancer and stuff, and some of them already passed away. And it was just kind of a beautiful experience because I was playing songs, Vietnamese songs from the war. Whoa. And it's just so funny that like as an American, you go there and there's just not an ounce of like resentment mm. or hatred. It's like we can't even get over the fucking civil war. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? But you go there and no one hates you because you're an American. Here I am. I'm playing music from their time at the U.S. Embassy. And like th the greatest part was the <laughs> I started playing one of these songs and then my wife started to sing along with me. And one of the Vietnamese guys was like, no, 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 no. No, to my wife. He's like, no, 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 just him, Whoa. just him. And I was like, thank you, sir. I've been wanting to say that for years. Okay. I know we don't speak the same language, but we're both men. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. No, but that, that it, it was a very special experience. And I was like, there's something really kind of magical here. And, and our next project is to work with both American veterans and Vietnamese veterans in Vietnam and to foster some sort of connection and it is it is amazing to see the, the stuff that music can bring out of people because for me i don't know i'm so jaded to it at this point like i i can play something very beautiful I, you know that people think is beautiful but for me it's just i've done it enough that i just it's so sad that like it's just <laughs> sometimes it feels like it's lost its spark because i it's like it almost feels too easy sometimes that's not mm -hmm. to toot my own horn but i i know how to play something that's going to like make you oh my god like feel something <laughs> you know but that being said even though it feels easy to me what it can elicit from everybody else it's very surprising and, and kind of humbling sometimes mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's beautiful i love hearing that and is there anything specifically that you took from that whole experience the whole vietnamese experience that you bring back now has changed your playing or the way you run your music business or anything like that, like, or the way you take on projects? Not, I don't know if it necessarily has changed me that much. It just, it broadened really my horizon of, of working with different types of people and realizing that, yeah, literally we didn't even speak the same language. It doesn't matter. Like we're still mm -hmm. able to, to, to make something cool. During the pandemic, I collaborated with a lot of Vietnamese artists that I had met there and we did remote stuff, which was, that was really special for me, too, because, you know, we were all kind of going crazy and I needed some sort of outlet. And, you know, one guy from that we had done a uh, we were in a residency together. He's from Huey, which is like the, the the old capital, like the ancient capital of Vietnam. And he's a he knows all like the kind of the court music. And he he hit me up and he was like, you know, can, let's improvise on something. And again, he doesn't speak that much English in my Vietnamese sucks much to the chagrin <laughs> of my wife but we just we created something and, it, and from there it sparked other projects with other people and that that really meant a lot to me that's awesome oh i love it it's so cool and you mentioned uh earlier you know there are times where when you're playing something it affects someone but to you it's easy and i think a lot of musicians experience this or a lot of people who get to a certain point experience this so i'm wondering how do you even get to that point? Like a lot of musicians or a lot of people who are getting into music professionally don't realize that to get to the point you just mentioned is 
you know, pretty intense. Like there's some pretty intense practice. So I'm curious what the practice looked like, you know, maybe in college and right out of college versus what it looks like now, like how the refinement of your skills looks like differently today. Oh man, I, I don't have any time to practice anymore. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's, there's no time to like sit down and, and practice. I, I got a kid and I got another one on the way soon. So it's like, for me now it's, it's about, anything project specific, you know, if I'm working on something like I've been doing more comedy music, like mm -hmm. how can I make this even funnier? You know, after college, I kind of realized when you don't have a teacher anymore and no one pushing you to do some certain thing, you can kind of get lost. And I feel like I probably was for a while. Like I just played with the rock band in the subway system. I didn't really practice that much, but I was doing that. But being able to be motivated for yourself in, in what you're doing, but also like, I kind of realized that like, what's the point of me practicing? Like, again, like the, the Lalo concerto or like, you know, Haydn and D now that's good for me to like up my technique, I guess. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know what I realized is like, it probably would be more beneficial for me to try to do more business stuff than than like mm -hmm. get better at music. And that's kind of sad. It's not sad, but it's like one thing that I've never been as good at as I should be is being my own self-promoter, mm. being much more forthright with self-confidence and like trying to put myself first, do more social media, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But you will find, and, and this is something that I'm going to impart to my children, which is kind of a depressing lesson, but it, it is true. It's like, you should try to be talented, mm. but uh, there's plenty of non-talented people that can make a ton of money mm -hmm. uh, and, and do really well just because they have the ability to sell themselves, to have that no bullshit, like just they believe, or, or at least they pretend to believe in themselves or whatever, and they have that front. And obviously you have to have a certain level of skill, but that can take you pretty damn far just being able to talk yourself up because you can be the most talented person ever. And it really just doesn't matter. You're not going to get any mm. work if you can't talk with people, push yourself, put yourself in uncomfortable situations, which I hate to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but something yeah. I have to get better at now because I got people depending on me for food. It was easier when I was like, as a bummy musician living in my parents' <laughs> attic. And it was like, ah, oh, no, I can do whatever I want. But now it's like, people are, they're eating off me. <laughs> I love it though. It's like, it's, it's so, it's such a good insight because it's true. Like the same in my experience, like the, if you can promote yourself, you do better. Like so long as you have a certain floor of a skill, if you're, if you're garbage, like absolute trash, it doesn't work. But yeah, beyond that, you're, it really does amplify everything else you do. And for you, considering, you know, the a misconception of a pro musician is that they just play music 18 hours a day and do nothing else. Like, that's such a huge misconception. I know that's not true of either of us. No. So for you, how does that all balance? Because you have one kid, you have another one on the way, you have a wife, you have business stuff, you have lessons that you teach, you write books. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, I, I help out a lot around the house with, with the family and my kids and stuff. I teach. Yeah. So, you know, I'm teaching a decent amount. And then I'm also trying to write my own stuff, you know, when I can. It feels so nice when I can actually sit down 
and do my own music. I mean, it's a, it's a rarity, but you know, the, my first priority is anything that's like a paid gig or something, you know, you have to focus on that. And sometimes I'll play weddings and stuff like that doesn't require barely any practice, but like, you know, if I'm doing recordings for people, you know, that takes time to sit down and do that. So it's a lot to juggle and stuff, but what I should do more of, I think is, is, you know, social media, trying to promote myself, doing more email lists. Cause one of the classes in my um, master's degree was about like funnel marketing, like digital oh, nice. funnel marketing. And I gotta be honest, man, I just did not, I, I didn't <laughs> see how it would really work for me. And my teacher's gonna be sad if he ever hears this, but like, <laughs> My buddy at Facebook was giving me 250 bucks a month because he works at Facebook oh. and he, you know, he just gets free ad credits. He was like, here, take this each month. So I was spending 250 bucks a month, you know, promoting the, my books, string jams and this whole method that I'd created. And this leads you to a MailChimp thing that's email list and whatnot. It just was like, it just didn't convert, but he's like, yeah, no, mm -hmm. you're, you're getting the right numbers. Like, it's just going to take a long time. Like, dude, if this was real money, I'd be kind of scared. Like, it's just, that's a lot of money to like, just lay out and just not recoup barely mm -hmm. any of it. So trying to navigate that kind of thing too, like sponsored ads oh, yeah. and, and marketing is a skill that's as important or if not more important than the skill of actually what you do. Yeah. That's what I tell people too, is like, like people will hire people based off of like, oh, I get a good vibe from you. Come on board. Like sometimes they won't even listen to your stuff just speak you're cool yeah and then, <laughs> that's the end of the hiring process so yeah it really is like this weird thing and and you kind of dispelled the myth really well of like you're not just sitting with a cello 18 hours a day with no distractions playing like no way. that's not how that's not how this works it takes it takes a lot more so when it comes to what you do you have so many streams like you have you know you have books you have lessons you have gigs all that stuff. You don't have to share numbers or anything like that, but like what's kind of the, what are the main things that keep you afloat as a professional cellist? Definitely teaching. Teaching is mm -hmm. the main stay because it's, it's mostly regular. Uh, you know, you mostly have lessons once a week. Not everybody wants that, but that's the main stay. Then I have gigs. I've been playing more kind of like wedding gigs and some people like don't like doing that. I really don't mind because it's so low pressure. Like, it's like, no one is listening. Like, no, one, <laughs> no one is looking at the bald guy playing the cello. You know, it's, it's not about me. I'm just there collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Did I say that brides listen up because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. That's not nice. <laughs> Sorry. Books again. Yeah. That's mailbox money, which I've tried to get over the years, uh, you mm -hmm. know, to, just something that you make money. It doesn't make that much money though. <laughs> I wish it did because it took so much damn work to make those. <laughs> but one, one thing that's good is I didn't use a publisher though. So like right. when there's someone buys my book, it's, I get paid, you know, it's, yeah. I get everything. Yeah. Pretty, and yeah. then recording, recording is not as much as I would like it. I definitely would like some more, but I definitely do that from time to time. And that's fun for me. I love doing that. Very nice. Yeah. Like you, you mentioned uh, the books being a lot of work and I can't imagine like I really can't imagine how long those took for string jams and cello chords. And those aren't books that anyone else is writing. Like you didn't write just a bunch of etudes like any other 
cello book, you did some pretty unique stuff for cello improv and chords on a cello, which is, you know, not something that everyone's necessarily doing in that world. Yeah, I wrote that chords book when I was fairly young and I started in college and I got the idea from a guy, his name's Barry Kornhauser. He's a cellist, and he, but he comes from like guitar and bass and stuff. And like he... <laughs> He just would, he, I went to New Directions and he just showed me, he's like, you know, I can play a C chord like this and like this and like this. And I just thought like, oh, that's interesting. There's got to be someone who's already done that, like written it all out. And they, they surprisingly hadn't. And then I was working as a lifeguard. So I should have been paying attention to kids while they were in the pool, <laughs> but I was just writing down chords, uh, which is, that makes me a bad person. And I understand that, <laughs> uh, but no one got hurt. So that's okay. And that's why I'm not calling you from Rikers. <laughs> I guess it would be Rahway because it was in New Jersey. But the other books, <laughs> String Jams, if you can believe it, I came back from Vietnam and I was like, oh man, shit, I gotta have to hustle. Because one thing about Vietnam is you can make way less money and still have a higher standard of living, mm -hmm. which is nice. Like I felt like I could, I could breathe. Then I mm -hmm. came back to America. It's like, fuck, it's all, yeah. all the pressure is back. Like, Everything is so much more expensive, and it's just like, how am I going to support my family doing this? So <laughs> I actually worked with this guy, Christian House, who was like a music business guy. And I told him, like, you know, I got this idea for a book. You know, what do you think I should do? He's like, no, 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 you shouldn't be writing a book. You should be trying to get money now, like doing gigs. And uh, I didn't take his advice. <laughs> if you can believe that, I wrote that book, like, from August or maybe July of 2019, and it came out March 2020. That's fast. Yeah, that was fast, <laughs> as I think about it. And I, I have no idea how I did it, other than I would wake up at like 5 a.m. Because because as a dad, and like my daughter was home, she wasn't at daycare or anything, and my wife was home, and so it's like, I felt like working during the day was like almost yeah. near impossible. You know, having those those couple hours where I could like actually think Mm -hmm. I can't even believe that I actually did it, but shout out to Logic Drummer. That's really what <laughs> led me to it because essentially, if you don't know, the book is original pieces that I wrote in different styles like EDM, hip hop, country, hard rock, all these things. And I would write a piece and then I'd notate it for violin, viola, and cello. And so you'd have this cool backing track you can play along. It, it was inspired by my grandpa who always played with like, Hal Leonard books and stuff. He's a sax player. So he would nice. always go and perform, do gigs at like, you know, like a nursing home or something with like his backing tracks and then playing. Mm. I thought that'd be cool for cello and stuff, but, you know, updated because I don't really like yeah. jazz. So like something, <laughs> you know, in a contemporary style. So, yeah, I did that. And uh, the thing that really made it possible was <laughs> was Logic's drummer, because <laughs> instead of having to do all the drum programming, I just chose, I was like, oh, what, what styles does Logic have that I can do? Oh, it's got a country groove, country drummer. All right, perfect. Got a country <laughs> song. It's got a, it's got a, like a eighties sounding drummer. Perfect. I got an eighties song here because honestly, dude, that, that was such a help. I don't know about you, but having to sometimes like program all those drums oh my God. is such Night a hassle. Night. It's such a hassle that like, I feel like I wouldn't have written the book, but the, it, the Logic drummer made it so easy. That I was like, all right, I can just focus on the other elements. Like I got the drums covered and like, good, I can just go straight to it. So shout out Logic Drummer. <laughs> Let's get a sponsorship. <laughs> 
but that's so cool. You you really hit on something important where like a lot of musicians think I need to do everything perfectly bespoke by myself forever. But no, you used a tool that sped up your process immensely. I think that's so crucial that you did that. Yeah, it was so useful that I I can't even say how much how much time it saved. I know. I mean, I use plugins and stuff all the time that like save work. And like you said earlier with the, um, you know, I'm playing in D major sort of thing. No one cares. Like no one's going to be like, that's logic. Like they're just like, okay, the piece is something I can play with. Cool. Awesome. Like that's all they care about. There will be people that that will recognize that that's logic drummer. And that will be about (laughs) five to six people. (laughs) You know what I'm like? Yeah. It's so sad when I'm playing a concert, like, People are just so impressed by the fact that you can play, get a sound out of like the cello. Totally. That like, I can just bullshit my way through anything. That's that's what I tell my kids, my students. It's like, <laughs> look, you're playing the cello. You can just bullshit your way through whatever you want, man. Just put on a face, you know, like the face of you know, some real intense, either grandma just died or, you know, I'm having a good time in the bedroom. Either one of those faces while you're playing, that will get you very far. I'm telling you. Now, are the kids seven years old that I'm saying this to? Yeah, maybe they are. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but that's but it's 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 true. Like there is there is like a degree of like as a musician, you think everyone else is gonna notice everything. No one notices anything. <laughs> I cried after a concert one time that I played, you know, in, in high school. I played the Haydn C major thing. And I was went back to the car and I was crying and I was my parents are like, what the hell are you crying for? Like, it sounded good. No, you think anybody, did you hear the other kids? Like, do you think anybody thought that was bad? Like, no. And I'm by no means amazing, but like, I know how to fake it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can make it sound good, even if I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I think that's an art in that's and of skill. itself. Yeah, exactly. That really is. I really think it is like I've been in that situation 100,000 percent. I'm like, I, I just have to just bullshit my way through this. OK, fine. And even the other musicians on stage are like, great. Good job. Yeah. Like <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you do it like tastefully and you're like you're kind of listening or whatever. Yeah. Or if I can't play a part like I, it's like oh, this rhythm is like I don't even know what this is. I'm just sight reading. It's like but I can somehow I, I know like what chord we're on and i know the kind of groove it's like well it doesn't really matter if i'm playing it exactly right i'll just kind of fudge it my own way as long as i don't get off like time then it's fine and it's it's fine no one knows yeah it's it's that's that's what i'm saying so don't practice (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm sure set your expectations low (laughs) (laughs) considering you do teach so much of like all age groups you know i was one of your students and i'm sure you have kids as well like Are there pieces of advice that you give to most of your students, maybe some who want to be professional musicians, too, as they're like growing into their own musicianship that you think like this is important to know? Maybe I didn't know this when I was first starting out. I haven't had a well, no, I have had one student who who wanted to do pro music. And this is kind of a cynical thing (laughs) that my teacher told me when I told him when I was like 15 or so. And I was like, I'm thinking about becoming a musician. He was like, well. Let me put it like this. If you can do anything else, do that. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't trying to be an asshole at all. He was just saying, like, if you could see yourself being happy, being a lawyer or being an engineer or whatever you want to do, 
and that would be okay, do that. But if this is the only thing that you can see yourself doing, then good luck. Like you're going to do it. But like, (laughs) that's a cynical way to think, but it is kind of true though. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just a very difficult way to, to make a living. It is. So he's just keeping, he was keeping it real with you. Like it's, it's not easy. And that, that was one thing with one of my students where I was like, well, one, I wanted his, you know, skills to be a little bit higher too, but like he was so quiet and reserved Mm. too. And I was like, dude, let me tell you something that is not going to work. That's not going to play to your advantage when you are a musician. Screw the music. No one gives a shit about that. (laughs) When you're trying to make a living as a musician, you know, like he was so quiet and soft-spoken. I was like, I'm telling you because I'm not good at that. Like I'm not as good as I should be at that. But like you, I can just see like you're too just not outspoken enough for what you need to make money at this, you know? So that, again, that's, that's an important lesson. Yeah, no, it's true. Actually, I heard the same advice that you did uh, from when I was in college, there was a, like a visiting composer and he said the exact same thing. He's like, if you can do anything else, you should do that. (laughs) Like, don't, don't (laughs) go. And I think that's really good advice because like every musician who goes pro has the mindset and myself included of like, no, I, I literally can't like. If I was a doctor, I'd be just garbage. Like people, I would not be a good doctor. I would not be a good lawyer. I wouldn't show up for work 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah, I went through a period where like, you know, I was after college a couple of years and like I was just not doing well, like in terms of like, you know, getting gigs and barely making any money, you know, and I just was like, man, I can't believe I wasted all this time like doing this learning this useless skill. I have no <laughs> skills. And I just went back to like, I literally, there's like a, there's like a government list of like all the possible jobs that you could have, not just government jobs. I'm talking mm. about all jobs. And I like went through those jobs Whoa. and like, looked. there's like, can I see myself doing this, doing this, doing this? And just, I got this pit in my stomach <laughs> that was just so deep. Like that was just like, I just, it was just like killing me on the inside. I was like, I, I just can't, like, I just can't do that. And then I just came to the realization. It was like, fuck it. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be poor, (laughs) like if I end up poor, like I know I'll always be able to like, like I'm Jewish so I can save money. (laughs) I'll figure out how to like save money somehow. But like, I'd rather do this than just have some the thing where every day where I just felt like my soul was sucked out of my body, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I just came to the realization. It's like, I just, whatever, I'm, I'm not going to have stability or whatever, but I got to just, I have to do something that I, it's the only thing I care about, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I don't even care about it that much. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know what you mean. Like it's 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 similar to me. I remember like in in grade three, like the teacher came in and we talked about the concept of work. Like, oh, here's what mommy and daddy do every day. Like that's what the teacher was teaching that day. And I remember my thought was like, that's not going to be me. Mm-mm. Like yeah. instantly, I just knew. Like, mm mm, uh uh, uh uh. I'm going to be in my Jamie James. I'm not going anywhere. And it's true. And that's, that's what I do now. And same for you. Like you have like, you have that kind of, it's like faith almost. It's this weird thing of like, it's just got to happen. Like there's just no other 
choice. And I think that helps musicians a lot of like, this is what's got to happen. Let's let's figure yeah, it out. Like, what else am I going to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's powerful. I, 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 can't, I just can't do anything. Else, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess if I was forced with a gun to my right. head, I, I could. But like, I, I got to do this. Yeah. I like I gotta that. somehow make it work. I yeah. like that. I think that's important. I think every musician needs some of that or they'll quit. Like, it's yeah. easy to quit. And I and you didn't. And that's so awesome. Yes, yeah. that's, that's great to see. And I'm I'm curious, like through all that, or even now, do you have any role models that you look up to in or outside of music? Doesn't have to be in music that you say like, okay, yeah, that person either helps me get through this, or like keeps me sane, or I want to be more like that person. It can be several. It can be one person. I mean, I would definitely say my teacher Dave Egger. I mean, it's in. I mean, I, I realize like he has a talent a certain technical talent that I, I mean, I'm never going to get to that level. He's, he was like a prodigy as a kid, but beyond that, th the thing that he's amazing at is, I mean, uh, well, pretty much everything, but like when it comes to recording, he's just so good at seeing what a person needs, meeting them where they're at, seeing what the song actually needs and what it doesn't need. And just, getting straight to the point and being able to do that and do this fast because he, he can do it really fast. Mm. And he just, I barely ever play for him. Like we just kind of talk, like it's almost like a, <laughs> a meta lesson. <laughs> you know, we just talk about business stuff. We talk about, you know, philosophy and, and whatnot, but he's such a, uh, an amazing musician because he listens. He's got a great intuition. I mean, he's amazing chops, you know, that obviously plays a factor, but, Beyond that, it's it's also being a person too, and like having the ability to communicate with other people, and not to be such a nar narcissistic asshole that like you can't put yourself in the back, you know, or, or listen to what someone has to say and then meet them where they're at. You know what I'm saying? So that that's been really influential on me. And he, this guy works like insane amount. Like that's the level I would like to get. I mean, I'd love to get to the level where you know me, my family, and I. Are, you know, live in Vietnam or something. And then I, I can do remote recording mm -hmm. for artists and teach and stuff. And, you know, wear this stupid <laughs> shirt. <laughs> it makes sense. Cause I'm on a beach. I, don't know. I love it. Yeah. yeah he, he's definitely been my role model. Is that what you're kind of focused on learning right now? I'm, I'm curious. Cause like advanced musicians like yourself, I always love to hear what they're learning, whether it be in music or not. Is it that businessy stuff or is it kind of, every like other stuff on top of that i mean i definitely need more business stuff more business acumen but beyond that yeah trying to cut down my time because one time like he, he was giving me assignments but my first year of my master's degree uh of like projects that he had already done that were uh remote recording projects so he was like here's the instructions this is what they gave me go ahead which was like extraordinarily valuable. Like there's no program that really exists where it's like that specific that he's like, Oh, these are cello things that I got. Now you do it. But he would tell me like, all right, all right. So I want you to create like a cello choir, you know, for this song. It's got no click track, you know, go ahead do it. But I don't want you to write anything out. I want you to just do it by ear and like give yourself a time limit. And I was like, oh, dude, he's like, I, he told me how fast he did it. He's like, yeah, I did this in like 15 minutes. I was like, oh my God, that is insane. Like how did it, it takes more than 15 minutes to play all those parts <laughs> 10 times. Like, I don't understand mathematically how that even works. 
But like, it's really important. He's like, look, you don't have that much time. Like you're a father or whatever. Like you need to like, just like kind of go with your gut and just go for it. And, and just, and go with that because spending a million hours trying to perfect something, it's like when you're at the professional level, like trying to like make a living doing this, it's just like, you can't do it. Like you just got, got too many other things you have to do. And it's not going to, it's not going to behoove you to be that much of a perfectionist. That's awesome. That's super cool. What a good assignment. Oh my God. It's so practical. Yeah, they were great. I mean, I, he, he like gave me movies, stuff that he scored, like some commercials that he did all these things. And it just, you know, it helps you hone in on like what is necessary and what is not necessary. What, what I find the most useful for him is like, like how to interpret what people say, because, mm -hmm. and you deal with this all the time. It's like people talk to you in words that don't really, they don't really understand what music is, or they're not going to be like, well, I need something that's in D minor. Right. That's like, they're not going to talk to you like that. So when someone says like, I need something that's scary, it's like, well, you have to find out what, what does scary mean to that person? Like what's their reference for that kind of thing? So he's given me a lot of really good ways to try to hone in on what people mean because people mean different things but with the same words mm -hmm. you know and that's that's super important and it'll, that'll cut your time down instead of doing all this work and they're like that's not scary right that's happy it's like what 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 the hell universe are you living in like <laughs> but but to them that's not what they meant right and it yeah. doesn't matter now now what you just did is is it's not useful because they're no, they don't want it that's a, yeah, that's a great insight. Super good insight. And so true. Yeah. Every professional has to be able to like be a psychic to some degree. You need to be able to see like, oh, okay, that's what they mean by scary. They actually mean, do they mean psycho scary? Do they mean like a more modern, like what you have to figure that out. It is, you need psychic powers. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I found that to be very interesting because I had, hadn't worked enough to really deal with that kind of stuff so i just kind of would do my own interpretation of it and sometimes they would, they would come back like, no no not like that not like that but being able to just really hone in and, and know exactly like okay this guy means don't play really high like that's how i'm gonna interpret this right. like maybe you know he's not gonna say that explicitly but that's from what i'm gathering like that's what i think he means yeah yeah i love yeah. that and as uh, as we kind of start to wrap up here as like a second to last question that I ask everybody is when you were first starting out as a musician, that can be when you're a kid, that can be when you're in college, whatever starting point you want to pick, what was your definition of success and how has that changed over time and what is it now? Damn, that's <laughs> a good question. That's how we do. Uh, my definition of success as a kid, any starting point. I mean, when, when I was a kid, you know, I would say probably like my teachers, like they were successful. They made a living doing music. I never really understood like what what really went into that, but they had a house. I never realized, you know, I didn't think about the fact that maybe my first teacher's husband made <laughs> most of the money or, you know what I'm saying? Or like sometimes that plays a role into it too, but like they were doing it now for me being able to make a living i mean if i wanted to be really successful i guess i i would say i wanted to be like the the weird al of cello or like the <laughs> little dicky of cello i love that like that would be the height of my dream like being able to like do a solo one hour show of my own music and comedy stuff and whatnot and and tour and do that but honestly being successful now would just be 
being able to support my family doing like what what I'm doing, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what I'm doing. So it's like, yeah. that's good. I mean, obviously, there's way more room for improvement to make a lot more money. But like, I'm surviving, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. So like, that's not bad. That's not bad. You kind of, <laughs> you kind of have to set the bar <laughs> somewhat low. It's not low, but like, it's actually kind of high because it it's is. very difficult to do. Yeah, it's very hard to do. Yeah, any musician who can pay their rent is like a one percenter just instantly, even if they're struggling in other areas like that alone is so rare. Yeah, it's so hard to do that. Like <laughs> even like the amount of money I make compared to like my brother, you know, he works like a corporate job sure. or whatever, like it, it, it pales. Sure. But it's like, you know, like I'm still surviving and I get to do what I like to do. And like, that's something that's it's huge. There's, yeah, there's that's huge. I love that. All right. Last question. Where can people find you? Websites, social medias, all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. If you're interested in my stuff, you can go to my website, uh, brianwilsoncello.com. That's uh, Brian with a Y. I have books. You know, I wrote a book called Cello Chords. I wrote String Jams. Got three albums that I've released. If you go on Spotify, if you if you look for me, for my music, search for Brian Charles Wilson because... Let's just say Brian Wilson has been taken already. <laughs> Actually, a funny story is there's a there's a gospel singer named Brian Wilson. Not just, you know, obviously Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. <laughs> this black gospel singer. And in college, I was trying to do my comedy stuff. And I released a couple songs. One of them was Gangster Cellist. The other one was uh, I'm a Jew. <laughs> and iTunes oh thought that, that we were the same person. So they put my music with his music. So it was just like, oh, my God, Jesus saves like God is love. I'm a Jew. Oh, my God. Gangster cellist. Oh, my know, God. Bullshit. So I was like, he must have been. So- Obviously, That's he never. I'm really sure he never funny. saw it. But I was like, this guy must be pissed. If he this. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Brian Wilson Cello, I think. Yeah. Brian Wilson Cello. Yeah, Facebook, everything. Just search for Brian Charles Wilson online and you will find me. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in in learning stuff about improvisation on string instruments or you just want to listen to some some cool music, uh, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I think it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. <laughs> my mom thinks so. She's told me that. <laughs> so that's that's a, that's a good endorsement. Awesome. Go ahead and find me. Awesome. Well, I can attest you're an amazing teacher, so you get. You get my stamp of thank approval you, as well, of course. So yeah, thank you so much for I taking the time. That. Like you gave some really good insights. I loved it. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All the best to you, man. I'm glad those strawberries haven't killed you. <laughs> they damn near did. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash sound biz pod sound b-i-z pod and that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game music and sound thanks so much and i'll see you next time And if you're looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to, this podcast is actually a part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. 
So if you want to check those out, hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. 